this week, my guest is copywriter Elizabeth Jones. We talk about how she left a corporate job to start a business and the phenomenon of business ghosting and how to deal with it. Welcome to episode 247 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. And if you've got 90 seconds and you really enjoy listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast, I'd really love it if you'd do me a favour. Hop over to iTunes and leave me a quick review. It really does help push me up the rankings and it lets more people get access to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. It really only takes 90 seconds. Please go to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes, follow the link and leave me a review. Tell me, have you ever been ghosted? Now, I thought that the term ghosting was something to do with dating apps. You know, you go on a date with somebody and then you never hear from them again. But it does happen in business and it seems to be happening a lot more than it ever did. In this episode, I talked to Elizabeth Jones about the concept of ghosting and how to deal with it. It's a really interesting topic, nothing that I've covered before. Just so that you know, this conversation with Elizabeth took place just before the lockdown started. So our conversation sounds as if there's nothing going on in the world. So let's get straight into that interview with Elizabeth right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Elizabeth, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Elizabeth, tell me, where are we Skyping each other from today? Of course, I'm in Edinburgh, as always. I am in Maryland in the US. Fantastic. Now, Elizabeth, you run a website which has the uh, intriguing name of Elizabeth Jones Writes. I think it gives me a very strong clue as to what you do. And, And you got in touch with me recently to talk about content marketing, but also to talk about content marketing from the point of view of being ghosted. And ghosting is a is a term which I've only really just become aware of recently. And I thought it was something to do with going on a date with somebody and then never hearing from them ever again, no matter how many times you call or text them. But I think we're going to talk about the business context of ghosting today. And you've you've written some fairly hard hitting stuff about ghosting and how it affects freelancers and, and perhaps how it affects people's mental health. But before we get into that, give me a little bit of background about yourself, Elizabeth, where you came from, how your career developed, and basically what makes Elizabeth Jones tick? Um, Sure. So I got started working in emergency management. So natural disasters, terrorist attacks, anything like that would be under my wheelhouse as to handling and and managing that. And um, I started out in college going through um, the emergency management program, and it wasn't really a great fit for me, but I did know that you know I needed to go through college to support my young family, um, so I decided to stick with it, and I did up until a few years ago 
when I just decided it was completely incompatible with who I was as a person. So I decided to move more into content marketing um, and freelance, which I'd done some content marketing um, in my roles um, with the federal government. And so I went ahead and pursued the degree. But once, once I realized that it just wasn't going to be a good fit, I just one morning walked into my boss's office after I had been freelancing for a little while on the side and just said, this isn't compatible with my mental health anymore. And I'm going to look into going in a different direction. And I just walked out of the office. And as soon as I pulled out of the parking lot, it was like a a wave of relief just washed over me. And I knew I had made the right decision. So I moved into um, full-time content marketing as a a content writer. Um, Good. You know, my website definitely gave away what I'm doing, which is what I want it to do. So that's a good thing. And yeah, I just took the, took a leap of faith and uh, landed on both feet uh, with the help of some some other freelancers that were willing to kind of accept me into their network and and take me into the fold and I've been um I've been freelancing ever since so far successfully it takes a lot of guts actually to make that leap from corporate to freelance doesn't it and I think that the the move can be triggered by all sorts of things I think your, your dissatisfaction with what you were doing perhaps there's an element of stress in the corporate job you might not get on with other people in that particular environment but nevertheless it's it's quite a hard decision to make even if it's the right one you can avoid making that decision for quite a long time what was it that actually finally made you decide that you wanted to get out of corporate and start freelancing It's hard to pinpoint one particular catalyst, but I think that my mental health was suffering. And when um, I I have um, been diagnosed with with mental health conditions so that when when my mental health suffers, my family in turn, you know, goes through goes through the, the ringer with me. And it was just not a good fit. I was every day I was coming home, I was more and more drained. Uh, I had less and less energy to spend on the things that mattered to which to me is my my two young children and my husband. And so after talking with my husband, and it's it's important for me to acknowledge the privileged position that I came from um, being able to have a spouse that could support us uh, while I got my footing underneath me for to go freelance full time. And, you know, having that having that network, just knowing I was supported by by my family and um, knowing that, you know, the worst thing that could happen is it it falls, it fails miserably and I fall flat on my face. And then um, I go back to the corporate world with my tail between my legs. But I was determined not to let that happen. You know, one day I had just I think I just had enough. I, I told my husband, I was like, I, it was a Sunday afternoon. I was sitting outside watching my family play in the yard while I was reading a book. And I just thought, you know, this something about this feels right. And I had the what, what you would call, I guess, the Sunday scaries where you, <laughs> you know, get nervous before you have to go back into the corporate office on Monday. And I thought, I'm not I'm not dealing with this anymore. So that Tuesday, I just walked in and slammed my notice down on the desk and walked out. Fantastic. But of course, what you do when you leave corporate is you replace one whole set of issues and stresses for another whole set of issues and stresses in the freelance world. What what steps did you take when you set yourself up as Elizabeth Jones writes? So you're helping companies with content marketing. How did you go about finding clients and, and putting your business out there and marketing yourself effectively? So I started out doing all the wrong things. Um, as I think a lot of people would, would say, you know, it's a lot of trial, trial and error with when it comes to freelancing. And I, um, actually went on Craigslist 
and started applying to positions there. People had posted, you know, you know, definitely no contracts, no um, oversight, no assurance that this will work out and you'll actually get paid. But I, I found a really nice mom and pop company that was working in the social justice sphere. And I started, I, I found them on Craigslist and applied and they said, you know what, we'll, we'll take a chance on you. And I took a chance on them and um, didn't pay much. They paid as much as they could, which wasn't a lot, but I did get kind of get, got the, the context of what it's like to work with a client, um, what it takes to manage your projects. And I had done remote work when I worked for the government as well. So I knew a bit about time management and discipline as well as my, my background in, um, going through a master's and a bachelor's program online. Um, just, just being able to manage your time well from home, um, really sets you up for success because it's, it's easy to get distracted. I think we all know as we work remotely, Mm -hmm. Promoting myself was a little more difficult, but I started my website, Elizabeth M. Jones Writes, um, and I just kind of jumped in with both feet on that as well. I, I designed it myself. It's, it's you know, anyone that, that ventures over to that end of the internet is probably not going to think it's the most beautifully designed website, but um, it gets the job done. It's pretty effective. People have found me through my website now, um, but it took a lot of putting, continually putting myself out there. And I think that content marketing really is what I can attribute all of my success to, because the more content that you put out, the more people find you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously it's good for SEO, but it's also just good for, for getting your name out there and, and putting yourself out there as a thought leader in the sphere. So, um, even if you're not, if like I, I write for, for FinTech and SaaS companies. So uh, financial technology is really the area that I specialize in, but I write about freelancing, um, and you know, problems that freelancers face like ghosting, for example, and they, seem to come to my website and find those articles. And though they're not directly related to the service they're asking me to provide, they see that I'm a strong writer. They see that I'm an active writer. And I think having an active blog is a huge help because it gives you that that sense of establishment. Like, okay, this person is actively contributing. They're, they're taking their business seriously. They're going to take my work seriously as well. But it, it takes a long time to get to that point. So when I first started out, I was more floundering and flopping around just aimlessly, cold pitching here, getting on Upwork and Fiverr here. Um, and it had some success with both of those methods, but nothing has been as successful to me as social media marketing and content marketing for getting people's attention. Yeah, I think content marketing is just perfect. If you're answering questions that you know your potential customers will have in the form of written blogs like you've been doing or videos or audios or whatever, it's a great way to get found and for those people to to see what you like, to to see how you write, to see how you look, and to get to know you and like you and trust you enough to to do business with you. And one thing that I do like, I mean, again, Elizabeth M. Jones writes is just it's just such a great title for a website. In the UK, we have a very famous advertising campaign, and it's uh, it's actually for a company called Ron Seal. I'm no I've no idea whether Ron Seal is available in the states, but it, it's basically. Um, wood stain for fences and for sheds and their strap line their advertising strap line is ron seal it does exactly what it says on the tin and (laughs) and when you come across a website like yours where it's absolutely beautifully obvious what it's about you a uk person would say see see that elizabeth m jones she does exactly what it says on the tin and and uh, it, to me, that's beautiful because it's simple. It's easy to understand. There's no complexity. You go straight in there and it, and it's just that it does exactly what it says on the tin. So, so let's talk a little bit about this term ghosting. Now, as I said before in the introduction, I've only really heard it 
from people who talk about their experiences going on a date uh, and then being ghosted by somebody never replying to texts or emails. But talk to me about ghosting from the point of view of business and and, and maybe a bit more specifically, ghosting from the point of view of freelancing. Yeah, ghosting actually has two definitions on Wikipedia. So if you go on Wikipedia and search ghosting, it'll give you disambiguations. And one of them is for dating. One of them is and. um there's even a, a Wikipedia entry for business ghosting as well. So I think that the the definition for the the ghosting and dating, it really works the same for for businesses, for freelancers, for anybody who you know puts puts time and effort out there into the universe and and, and receives nothing in return. And so yeah, ghosting it's it really did it definitely came from I think this what's the app Tinder the mm. Tinder world you know I think go- ghosting really happened you can tell that I haven't been on the dating scene in a long time. <laughs> um, the you can you can really see how easy it is to ghost someone on a platform like that. And I think that a lot of people have taken that, you know, the digital presence that we have and turned that into an invitation to just not respond to somebody else, whether it's about a job or about a relationship. And it keeps, I think a lot of people, this is a bit of a hot take, but I think a lot of people have a fear of confrontation and they think it's easier just to avoid it entirely. Um, and unfortunately it's, it's really, ubiquitous in the freelance world because they there's just not any mechanism stopping someone from ghosting you you know there's no chain to follow up with and say hey i never heard back from so and so about this because they you know there's there's no one to be accountable to when you're ghosted you know it makes you feel inadequate it makes you feel like you're not worth the time to respond and that's just factually just not true but it really it's very pervasive and it really gets into creeps into the imposter syndrome world where you you start thinking, well, I'm not good enough to respond to. Maybe my work's not good enough. Maybe my fees are too high. I'm not worth what I'm charging. Um, and it can really take a toll on your freelance business. So it's important to understand that the ghosting, um, you know, for us, there's not just as the ghost E is not a lot that we can do for the ghost or to get them to respond to you. But you can do some things, I think, to emotionally prepare yourself, make yourself a little more resilient toward the idea of being ghosted. If, if that makes any sense, um, yeah, it's I a think, little... I think if, obviously we're talking about potentially as a freelancer, putting together a proposal. Somebody's asked us for a proposal, so we put some time into putting the proposal together. We might be say what the um, package will involve and we'll price it and say... If this this job will last X number of days. The price will be X amount of dollars, X amount of pounds, and off it goes. And then you hear absolutely nothing. And th- this is this is quite strange, and and I find it a little bit baffling, because we live in a world now where communication is easier than it has ever been in history. Um, you know, we've got all these great messaging apps. Most of us can do it with one or two thumbs and fingers. You know, it takes a split second to write out two sentences or two words. And yet we we seem to be finding it harder and harder to communicate sometimes. I, I remember, and this is crikey, this is going back about 27, 28 years. Um, one of the first jobs that I ever applied for when I came out of university, I had to travel down. Um, I was living in the north of England at the time. I had to travel all the way down to London for this particular interview. And the interview took place over a day in this assessment centre that this company had in London. I thought I'd done quite well. Got back on the train, went back up to the north of England. And the following day, I had 
on the doorstep a paper letter remember letters that actually used to get posted through the mail sure landed on the on the doorstep and it was from this company and it was saying thanks for coming for an interview um unfortunately you don't fit the criteria for the business and we won't be taking it any further and i'm thinking oh you must have sent that letter at least halfway through the day whilst i was there yesterday in order for it to have arrived for me today and I remember getting really upset about that. I even might have written back to them and said, how can you have possibly written that letter and, and still assessed me? Because the letter must have gone well before I left for the day. And, and they wrote back and said, gave me some rubbish about their process. So I'm thinking back then, I was really upset about that. But at least they replied and said, we're not taking it any further forward. Even if they had to type it up and stick it in an envelope, stick a stamp on the envelope, take it to a post box, put it in a post box so that it could travel halfway up the UK. Nowadays, even though they could whip open a messenger app and say, no, we're not taking it further, people seem to prefer just to, just to not do anything. What, why is this? What, what's happened? Communication is easier than ever, and yet people are scared of communicating. So it's really easy to get wrapped up in, in ghosting and think that it's you and you're the reason that they're not, you know, you're the, the cause of the ghosting. Um, but it's really not you. And it's really, in, in any case, whether you're talking about ghosting for freelancing or ghosting in a relationship, the onus is on when, when the ball is in another person's court, when you've gone through, like you said, you've put together proposals, you've, you've developed the rate schedule for the project, you've looked over briefs, you've spent time on the phone, you're spending your time and your, your, what is essentially time is essentially money for freelancers, especially. Mm. So you're spending your time and what could be your money on, um, giving somebody the benefit of responding to you and saying, you know, benefit of the doubt saying they're going, they're not going to waste my time. They're, they're going to, you know, let me wrap this up. So I think that there's a big fear of confrontation along with people ghosting. I think that for, for us, there's a level of expectation, you know, when we put this much effort into how much we communicate with the client by, by developing, um, processes and proposals to handle client work, um, they, owe you know, you feel like you feel like someone owes you a response and it's not an unreasonable assumption, but it's, it's just not, the reality anymore that someone is going to, um, whether they don't feel like it's worth their time or they're worried about you coming back and saying, well, why am I not good enough? And you have to justify, or they feel personally attacked. There's any number of reasons why somebody could ghost a freelancer, but the, the most important thing to remember and take away from, from it is that it's not you, it's them. It is absolutely, um, it, it can be hard on your mental health. It can be hard on, it can be hard on your emotions. It can be hard on your your bank, your bank account, but it's really important that you don't take it personally because it's not anything that you did. Even if your rates are high or, you feel, or not your rates are high, that's not fair. But even if your rates are, if you, if you feel like your rates might be too much for their budget, that's one thing, but it's not your rates, it's their budget. Or, um, if it's your samples, it's, it may not be your samples. It may be the, the fit that they're asking for, for their content. So, you know, it, it's, it's really, really, really easy to start going down a rabbit hole and thinking, uh, this is all my fault. And this is all, um, you know, if I had done X, Y, Z, they would have gotten back to me. But at the same time, do you, I mean, do you really want to work with somebody who's not willing to put forth the effort and, you know, doesn't think it's worth the time to just respond to somebody, whether they choose you or not, it's not a good way to do business and it's not a good way to handle things. And you could end up with a client who, 
ghosts you down the road. And when it's a prospect, it's one thing. It's it's incredibly frustrating to be ghosted by a prospect when you've when you've written the proposals and done all the legwork. But it is devastating when you're ghosted by a client. Um, and when, when a client owes you money and you know that even if you have a contract, like there's the chances of you being able to recover that money aren't as good as, you know, they would be if your client was just responsive and, and paid you what they owed you. So, um, it's important to establish the difference, like what we're talking about with ghosting. Like when a, when a client, when a prospect doesn't respond to you or they reach out to you and then they don't respond the second time, that's, that's definitely ghosting. But it's, it's, it goes a little deeper than that when it's a client, when they owe you something, when you've established a relationship with that person, um, a working relationship, it's, it's really difficult and it can really, um, aside from, again, the financial aspects of it, it can really make you question your worth and really make your freelance journey more difficult than it has to be. Yeah, I think I think it is important to make that distinction. I think I'd had it in my head mainly that we'd be thinking about prospecting for a new client. But even in those circumstances, if you've sent a proposal off, I'd much rather somebody sent me back a two-line email or a two-line message and saying, thanks for your, pro- your proposal, it's not for us at the moment, or we can't afford it, or it doesn't fit or whatever it is. It's just that radio silence that I find. I just find it rude. You know, it's much easier just to say to somebody, look, we're not, we're not taking this any further. And then I wouldn't be worrying about it. I wouldn't be um, getting upset. I just move on. You know, it's all right to say no. It's absolutely all right to say no. It's not all right just to have somebody in complete limbo. With existing clients, yes, you're absolutely right. That's that is something completely different. And you know, if it if it comes into potentially not getting paid, then you know you, you're going to be heading down legal channels there, and that and that's a that's a whole other conversation, I guess. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, I mean, it's really. And that's if you're, you know, if you were forward thinking enough or able to sign a contract, you know, if you don't have a contract, then that money is just walking away from you. So it's really, really difficult when, when something like that happens, I've actually got, um, I'm in the middle of this process right now. So, and it's the first time it happened to me. So it's really, I'm glad that I have a contract, but I, at the same time, like, you know, do I want to go through the legal channels and chase this money down? Um, and you know, at the end of the day I do, but it, it still takes time. It, It goes back to taking time from people. It goes back from diverting my attention away from something else when you could just hold up your end of the bargain. So when, when somebody you entered into a relationship with that, there are expectations for that relationship, i.e. I do the work, you get paid or, or I get paid, then, um, it's a lot, it's a lot more difficult to recover from and come back from when it's, I don't say just a prospect, but when it is a prospect, Either way, you're sitting there refreshing your inbox, waiting for an email to come through. You're distracted. You're unable to to focus on the work at hand. Instead of in, in, instead, you're focused on um, is this person going to respond to me? Am I am I worth what I'm charging? Am I worth you know them taking a chance on me? It's really it's it's rude. You're exactly right. There's no two ways about it. It is just rude and it's inconsiderate and it's frustrating and it burns a bridge that there's no reason to burn. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, you could always, if it's not a good fit at the moment, that's one thing and you can, you can always come back to it. But if you, if you need a, you know, another freelancer, you know, to work with in, in that same field and maybe the first person you didn't work with didn't work out, then you've got to, um, go back and, 
you know, start the process all over again. So, and then you don't have that freelancer to come back to because you've ghosted them. They don't want to respond to you. They don't want to work with you. Um, so it's, and it goes both ways. You can, you can ghost clients and you can ghost prospects. Although I don't know many freelancers that would do anything. I don't think you could last very long as a freelancer (laughs) if you did business that way, but you shouldn't be able to last very long as a business doing business that way either. Um, I I think the other, the other side of the coin is I'm just trying to think that I suppose sometimes you've got to give people the benefit of the doubt. We don't know what's happening in other people's lives. And I, I, I have the, I've, I've never really been that pushy a person. I'm a marketing guy. I've never really been a pushy salesperson. So I'll tend to, if I send off a proposal or something, I'll maybe chase them twice, possibly three times at a pinch. But if I've not heard anything after three times, then that'll be it. I'll think, no, no, I'm definitely never, ever hearing from these people again. But there have been a couple of examples where I've chased two or three times and I have thought, do you know what? I'm never hearing from these people again. And then they'll come back and say, oh, sorry, we got tied up in some other massive project and just time went away from us. We're ready to go ahead now. Now, part of me is probably sitting there thinking, well, you could still have written a two-liner to say, we're not doing anything for a month. We'll get back to you. But that aside, things do happen in people's other businesses and people's lives. And I mean, the, the one example I can remember that was, I'd chased somebody three times and then something like nine months later, they came back and said, actually, we're ready to go ahead now. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm going to have to re-quote because everything's changed since then. So I think we do have to take in some consideration as to what's happening in other people's lives and businesses. But I still think that it only takes 30 seconds, if less, to write a two-line message just to keep everybody happy. So, Elizabeth, what are you doing as a freelancer? And you talk about this quite a bit on your website. What do you do to protect yourself against ghosting? It's difficult um, to protect yourself against ghosting before it happens. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot that you can do other than there's another freelancer, Michelle Garrett. She's the one that contributed a lot to the blog post that I wrote on ghosting. It was her story that kind of inspired my take on Um, you know, why my strong take on ghosting Uh, have processes in place. You can definitely, um, you know, if you have a process for onboarding a client, especially as much as you can automate, automate, because the more that you, the more steps that you're not involved in, the less emotional commitment you get to this project. So if you're, especially if you're in a situation where you really need a new client and you just need things to work out for you and, you know, you've, you've really got your hopes set on a prospect who comes through your website. Well, if they, they fill out your forms and they're automatically sent a, you know, a, a client expectation sheet, then, you know, you're, you're left out of it, but there's the process is still working so that when someone does come to you and actually scheduled something on your calendar, um, you know, they've come, they've been through enough steps to understand that you're serious, that you take your business seriously. Um, so the more you can put out there like that, the more, the, the better return you're going to see on your investment as far as, um, you know, preventing, preventing ghosting and preventing yourself from getting emotionally tied up in how the, the results of a project. It, like you said, it's easy it's easy for us to start making assumptions and say things like, well, you know, this person is just a jerk for not getting back to me. You're right. You don't know what's going on in their business and in their lives. There there could be something terribly tragic that happened, or it could be something, you know, as as like a budget issue and they're trying to work it out. And and you're right. You're absolutely right. You could take the, the 15 seconds out of your day to type up a short email and send it on your way. But 
you know, when it's not forefront of your mind, that's not always the first thing you're thinking of. You've got a lot of other priorities. You're balancing a lot of things. So just try to think of it from the perspective of, you know, this, what I have maybe top priority to me, but it's not top priority to them. So just because our priorities are out of sync doesn't mean that they're trying to make my life difficult or they may, may just be something as simple as, you know, they're having email access issues or that person that was your point of contact no longer works for the company. So I would definitely not get on Twitter and blast, you know, every company that didn't, immediately respond to you or anything like that. Um, and I would say on that same note, don't reach out if you're angry. If you if you feel like you've been ghosted and you feel like you deserve a response, especially if you did something as, as involved as you did when you said 28 years ago when you went down to the south of the UK and, and did that test, um, you know, I would, I would, I would feel very involved in the results of that. And I would feel very, you know, frustrated that, that something like that didn't return. So if somebody's like, let's do a test piece together, um, you know, let's, let's do a small design project and see how that goes. Then you have the um, expectation set that something might come out of this and it might frustrate you. So if you go to contact them, you know, you don't want to be angry. You don't want to be saying things that you're going to regret. You don't want to be the one that burns the bridge. You want to be the bigger person in the situation. I agree. And, and I think sometimes you can perhaps signpost it in your communications. I mean, sometimes if I send a pitch to a, a conference, for example, if I want to speak at a conference or if a conference organiser approaches me and says, we'd like you to put together a pitch to speak at our conference, I'll actually put something towards the end and say, this is my proposal, blah, blah, blah. I talk them through the potential speech, the costings and all of that. And I will actually send it, say at the end, you know, if this isn't a fit for you and you don't want to take it any further, then it's okay to say no but just please let me know how you want to go forward. And sometimes that, that sort of gives them a way out. Maybe if there was a little bit of embarrassment, oh, we've asked this person to do all this work and then we're going to say no. But if you actually say to them, it's okay to say no, then maybe you don't want them to, obviously, but maybe it'll make, make it easier for them just to conclude the business and then everybody can move on. Absolutely. I think that... Um setting that expectation at the beginning is a really good way to manage that. And, you know, I don't think that you're opening yourself up to the client saying, be more likely to say no, because you put that in there. I think that you're going to be more likely to hear back, whether you would have heard nothing from that client in the first place, you know, you never know, but you may, you, you're more likely to hear something in general. So I think that's a really good practice just, and that's something I've started doing recently. And in fact, um, today I received a no thanks, but no thanks letter. And instead, Instead of being disappointed, instead of feeling anything negative at all, I was just relieved that I heard the the final say on that project because I just assumed it. Once I sent out my proposal and my end of it, you know, I assume I'm either going to hear back immediately and they're going to say, you know, because usually when people decide what they're going to move on, they, they make the process to start the moves. And so when that doesn't happen, I immediately start, you know, going down the rabbit hole of like, oh, this isn't, you know, this is, my rates are too high and my samples suck and I'm just not worth anything. Um, and then you know, just to get that letter back that says, you know, your samples are good. You're, you're a good freelancer. We're ju you're just not what we're looking for right now. Um, it, it really didn't do anything to me other than make me feel relieved that I was able to wrap up my expectation of this project or this potential project and move forward with marketing my business, continuing to market my business and, uh, you know, pursuing other clients. So Elizabeth, as we draw the the conversation to a conclusion now, what would you say was the one big thing you'd like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from the experiences you've had, leaving big corporate, setting up your own freelancing business and establishing Elizabeth M. Jones' rights? I would say the biggest takeaway is to keep your head down, stay resilient, and don't let 
people control, don't let other people have control over how you feel. So don't give anybody that power. If you, if you feel like you're in a situation where you're, you're going to be ghosted or it's not going to be a good client fit, but you take the position anyway, go with your gut and trust your intuition. Um, but don't, don't let the blame fall on yourself. Don't blame yourself for things. If, if a client's not a good fit, then they're just not a good fit. And and you don't want to work with someone who's not a good fit, even if you're really in a position where you need the money, it never works out. Admirable advice. Admirable advice. Elizabeth, it's been really interesting to talk to you this afternoon and about a subject we've not tattled before on the Marketing and Finance podcast. Hopefully, people listening to the show might want to get in touch with you. We have name-dropped your website quite a bit during the course of this uh, conversation, but just in case people didn't catch it, tell me what's the best way that people should get in touch with you. Uh, right. So I, yeah, if you haven't picked up on it yet, my website is elizabethmjoneswrites.com and you can always find me there and, and go through the channels to contact me. Um, I make it pretty easy, I think, but also my Twitter handle is at EMJ So, um, I'm pretty active on Twitter and, um, you know, that's, that's another good avenue to just to have a, if you want to drop in and have a chat, you know, that's, that's the best way to do it. Fantastic. And I will include that link to the website and your Twitter on the show notes of the podcast. And you can find that at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the show. Let me wish you every success for the future. And if you are ever in the UK, do give me a call and we'll try and meet up for a coffee. Sounds good, Roger. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.